This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome to episode 183 of the Half Measures Podcast. I am once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Paul Kanawa. How are you today, pal? Kia ora, Dan. I'm, I'm really good. I am I'm energised. I don't want to be too spoilerish right up front, but I am. I feel like it's one of those pods where I'm really looking forward to talk about the things I've watched. And I'm already sitting here, Dan, pre-second-guessing myself over my pick of the week decision, which I decided on last night but i've just opened up all my tabs and i'm like oh this was all good this was all good mm, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough week probably to the disappointment of many of our listeners uh, i've got no football chat for you this week unfortunately yes but, uh, well yeah very good point maybe next week well maybe. Shannon from wellington who last week was obviously was like triggered but there was of course the 150th anniversary of the first uh, Scotland-England game this week, uh, which England celebrated by going to Scotland and winning 3-1 by putting on a glitzy display. But will it count for anything come June when the European Championships take place in Germany? And I'm guessing then that we will have weekly coverage of that on the pod in nine months' time um, when we've got... It's not quite the World Cup, but it's for me, it's the next best thing. It's the where all the European nations who qualify... Sorry, Ireland. Um, <laughs> who qualify? Um, have a you know, like a, a Royal Rumble to see who's the king of Europe plus England because you know they're no longer part of that, but they like to play football there. Great. Um, you really you've triggered me on a sidetrack, Paul. Royal Rumble. That, that was my favourite type of wrestling back in the day. I used to love a Royal Rumble <laughs> event. I used that analogy at work in my other job. Uh, the other day when I tried to describe characters, I was trying to describe a situation with a project and sort of saying, there's some, there's some big characters in this, in this project. I said, it's like, it's like a Royal Rumble. They've chucked out all the small players over the side of the ring. And there's like four of the big, the big ones left in, in the ring. And I said, it's like a Royal Rumble, which is weird because I never really watched that stuff, but even I know what it means. I, I just love it. I just, I just imagine the bell going, a new project manager running out, slides in yep. under the ring, gets thrown out by like a program manager. Oh, Correct. I'd pay to see that. I'd pay to see it. Paul, shall we get back down to business? What have you been watching this week? Indeed. So, okay. So the first thing I want to talk about this week is, is a TV series. Uh, filmed right here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and that is The Gone. So The Gone uh, is a series that came out earlier this year, 2023. This has been on my radar for a while, and I didn't get around to watching it straight away, but then I, I've seen online recently the show being promoted uh, over in Ireland, um, which this show has strong links with. Um, it's co-written and co-produced by... Um, uh, you know, by a number of Irish people, and it reminded me to go and watch it. So I watched The Gone. The synopsis for this one, uh, an Irish detective teams up with a Kiwi cop to find an Irish couple who have vanished from a rural New Zealand town, and the pair have to contend with a community's growing disquiet that the disappearances may be linked to a series of historical murders. And as I alluded to in my build-up, I have to say right off the bat, 
I'll go right in strong. I think this is the best New Zealand TV drama that I think I have I have seen certainly in well over ten years. Anyway, this is an absolutely superb series. I I wish I'd got onto it earlier so I could have reviewed it. You know, in line with probably the rest of the New Zealand media, but you know, half measures and all that. But yeah, this is a, a fantastic watch. The Cotton. It's, um, I'm just looking at the, the cast list in IMDb. I'm looking for the, the classic standout characters that you see in any, uh, any Kiwi TV show. And to my surprise, it, it, it looks like there's a bit of, uh, a new talent in there. The one that does stand out is, uh, Manu Bennett, um, who's, yes. yeah, who's, uh, you know, been in all sorts of things from, um, Spartacus to, uh, he played, uh, Oh God! Who was it in the DC series for? And then the Arrow universe, Deathstroke. Um, yeah, yeah. He's. I, I feel like he's he's tr- sort of truly hit that international stardom. But um, tell me more about this, Paul. Is it a yeah, one to watch? Is it what you're telling oh, me? Oh yeah, fully. Yeah, and and, and Manu is is real good in it. This is, um, as I said with you know the Irish connection. This is from a writing and production team, a mix of Kiwis and Irish peeps. So you've got um, Michael Bennett. Anna McPatlin, Yvonne Donahoe, Katie Holly, and I've just realised that the list is too long. I'll be here too long for it. Read them all, but a fantastic group of writers and producers who've really put together a great story and have just produced it at a really high standard. And as you know, I am a big fan of of crime and police dramas, so I do consider myself reasonably informed and experienced enough to make an informed call as to whether or not this is a hit or a miss. You, you do commit a lot of crimes, so that does that does make sense. That um, checks out. And so this is a, a one season. Is this is this a mini series, or are we sort of looking at a potential longer? Well, is it is that the 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 million dollar question? No, no sport is necessary for this, but I will say they do leave it in a way that they they tie up the main story, but they certainly leave it with a real. Surely they're going to do a second season if you're going to end it like that. If they don't, it would be a real shame. But um, yeah, and I <laughs> haven't done enough research to see if the, if the second season has been commissioned. But it's um, it's you know, I, it really has all of the ingredients of what I would want from a from a show like this. And it and it's 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 you know, it's 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 Kiwi to boot, and so it's set in this fictional town of um, Mount Affinity, but was actually shot in um, Te Araha and and some scenes in uh, in. Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, and it's just got a – the key for me, putting aside some of the performances, is just a compelling story. It's not predictable. Um, it's not – it's quite complex, but it's easy enough to follow. With, there's lots of layers there, and it's a well-thought-out end-to-end story and some really good good characters. And cast-wise, in addition to what you sort of already talked about, there, there were just great performances – throughout but i would i would highlight three in particular firstly actually richard flood who's who's actually the irish actor in this and he's one of the co-leads he brings the heart of the irish story to this series and he was really really good as richter um he has a, a whole range of emotions that his character goes so he was real good kiwi actor scott wills whose name you might recognize because funny enough he wrote into our mailbag a couple of weeks back new zealand actor uh, scott wills he would he, he came in with a peak performance for michael kane um he stars in this uh as well um as uh, police officer bruce and um i have to say he is 
quite possibly the most convincing portrayal of a New Zealand police officer ever. He a thousand percent looks the part of a Kiwi cop. He has all the sort of the quintessential mannerisms and look and feel of what I imagine, you know, because I don't interact with the police much, as you know, Dan, but what I would imagine a police officer getting out of a car or knocking on your front door might look like. And the third one, and the standout for me, um, is uh, Akushla Tarakupe, who plays the lead role of uh, Diana Huia. And she's a hundred percent one to watch. She, I was just having a look at her bio. She does have a few roles under her belt, but I would wager this will be the one that will put her on the map. She's the like the driving force of the story, and I just loved how she articulated her character's um, uh, that sort of classic Kiwi sense of humor and the dynamic across from from Richard Flood's Irish uh, counterpart and and also some of the more hard hitting scenes she was really really convincing too and then just as another layer of I really love that it was really refreshing to hear of you know a fair bit of Tereo Māori being spoken in a series like this too and I think I think there's a I think there's a lot more films out there now where um Tereo is becoming more prevalent but for like a I don't know I guess like a mainstream TV series if it's appropriate to call it that this has a more yeah this has more today than I've seen in any TV series of its equivalent and there's a real um, meaningful cultural thread that's woven into the fabric of this whole story so it's, it's not like a tokenistic effort just to sort of include it it, it really runs through the story and it helps brings it to life and it gives I would say you know for the watching world a more authentic New Zealand story, if you know what I mean. No, that makes sense. Um, I see also in the castles here we've got uh, Michelle Fairley, who um, from Game of Thrones, so uh, another like b- big name actress. I wonder. So, Paul, is this? You know, uh, I'm always intrigued about you know sort of you know people from sort of the the world stage come and do a a, sh- a show in New Zealand. Does the show kind of move between Ireland and New Zealand, or is it all kind of centered around New Zealand? It looks like we're in a, a mm. fictional town by the looks of things. Yeah, so Mount Affinity. Yeah, as I said, mm. it's a it's it's a fictional town, but um, it's it does have scenes in Ireland. It sort of it kind of stats there in some respects as well, and it's sort of. There's things in in Richter's past where it goes back in time or, or or what have you, and there's clear links there. But it's like I would say 95% it's New Zealand, and I actually wondered that going in. Um, you know, oh, is this going to be something that's going to go back and forth? But I I was surprised and delighted that it actually was predominantly um, New Zealand. But I found that the, the the combination of the Irish and the Kiwi. You know, we often talk about our love of Irish characters and TV shows. I found those two together were really, really, really good. And yeah, definitely a good shout on um, on Michelle Fairley. And um, for me, I've really enjoyed her as um, Princess Augusta in um, the Queen Charlotte Bridgerton uh, story. Um, but no, she was she was real good too. As I say, it was just across the board. There was just lots and lots of great roles. So I really hope that there is a series too. Um, and again, when it comes to a New Zealand-made series, you know, made right here, this is a cut above Kiwi TV dramas with with respect to what else I've seen. And and I guess to give that context, so the New Zealand comedy creamery, I would mm-hmm. say, has, has set the standard for New Zealand TV comedy. And so likewise for me, The Gone has set the new standard for Kiwi television drama series for me. 
So the big question, Paul, is this in the running for anything in the the top 23 honourable mention at this point or too soon to say? Well, you know, I, ne- I never like to give away things, but I have to be honest, it's I've written it into my list for, for top 10. And it's a real, because I haven't had a New Zealand series in my top 10 since I think season one of Creamery um, a couple of years back. Uh, and, you know, with, with respect to New Zealand TV, um, it's not always at that level. If I compare it to the other things that you and I have picked in our top 10, if I'm honest, it's not. But this, this I'm putting in that mix. So come December, we'll see. Very nice. And so this is uh, TVNZ On Demand, I presume? TVNZ Plus here in New Zealand. And as I say, it's recently being promoted in Ireland. Um, so it looks like it's getting its release over there as well. So um chance for for more more people to to go in and, and watch this one i love that that's a, a good shout and always good to be able to promote a kiwi show indeed now the other thing i've watched dan before i hand over to you um i want to see if you can guess what else i've rewatched a movie based on one line dead or alive you're coming with me uh what is that that is robocop yeah there it is it's (laughs) it's robocop and it's wow i have to be honest i don't know if i've seen this movie since like well i've seen it since it came out but maybe not since the 90s so this was a real a real trip down memory lane for me 1987 Robocop, and I'm, I feel like I must have watched this a lot of times as a as like a, a young teenager because I was surprised just how much I remembered. Either that, or it's just it is truly memorable. Um, so if if you haven't seen Robocop, um, dystopic and crime ridden Detroit, a terminally wounded cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. Um, th- this was just a, a real treat to go back and and revisit and i i would say i was really really impressed overall i was certainly impressed but so the look of robocop the way he moves the suit the armor i would argue still holds up really well and i watched this with you know i watched this with my 14 year old son i really watched it so that he could see it and he loved it and he's already asking if there are sequels out there so there's a potential journey ahead of me here but with the exception of Robocop himself, I, I think this has aged badly in a number of ways. And I think I sort of had to sort of put some context around it. So like Robocop, oh, sorry, Terminator, you know, that was three years before. Aliens was a year before Batman 1989, you know, two years later. And when I think, it, when I put it next to those things, it's it's aged. But Despite the fact it's age, from a watchability perspective, and certainly from a nostalgia experience, this was so much fun to watch again. It's um, I have many fond memories of this movie. I remember just how, and it, it, it's been terrifying. I, I don't know what it would be like today, but that scene when they bring in, like, they're bringing in the the prototypes of the uh, the Robocop before it. Ed two oh nine. Yeah, and it's like he just obliterates everyone in the boardroom. And yep. I, I remember it being a really terrifying moment. Yes. Uh, when when a, a young Daniel Whiting was watching this. Um and I also have this other weird memory pool. You just and you've you've triggered it in the memory banks. I remember like you know how the gun comes out of Robocop's leg? Like it kind of is like in yes. his in his suit. I remember yep. as a kid thinking 
That'd be really good if I ever go to prison or anything. <laughs> I'd have a gun built into my leg and I'd always be able to protect myself. And it's like, <laughs> what happened to me, Paul? There's some, there's some trauma in there somewhere, but um, it's <clears throat> it's brought back the memory. If and when you go to prison, we'll, I'll be sure to try and sneak that in for you. I um, well, They wouldn't find it in the pat down, that's for sure. No, I love that you thought it through. Um, that you know, you, you made a mental note. That's going to be handy for me. Not if I go to prison, but when I <laughs> when I go to prison. That's really good. Um, yeah, no, it was a it was a I, that Ed two hundred nine scene. You're right. It's such a violent movie. Like I feel like the eighties yeah. was just really trigger happy because when you know, like you say, when Ed two hundred nine comes in and he he takes down the guy who was being used as like a volunteer. Oh, pretend you're a criminal, and I'll show you what this machine does. And then of course there's a malfunction. And it just takes him out. But it, it's so over the top that it's borderline hilarious to watch, which, mm. which of course, is not the intent. But it's, 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 real, it's real full on. Yeah, and I think it's funny now, even just looking at the, the trailer still is up on the IMDb page, and even how clunky kind of Robocop looks like compared to like the – I don't think I've ever watched the modern-day remake of Robocop, but – did you not? Oh yeah, Robert I, I don't Keaton, think so. Gary Oldman and yeah, like uh, it doesn't um, it doesn't feel familiar, but um, it's it it is this looks quintessential eighties, and even the poster quintessential eighties, like just oh, the yeah. way it's kind of like the, the shading, the the oh, red it's just, light, it's brilliant. In, in the same way that you and I have a sort of an appreciation for some of those older. 70s style you know we often whenever i bring something old to the pod we'll look at the 60s and 70s mm. posters there's something about that 80s look which is also just as just as good peter weller is just great as well in the role of robocop and, and i would say maybe less so as the part of murphy you know before he makes the uh, the, the transition but i think when he's when he's more machine than men he's really good in the role because his voice is just so synonymous in the role um and yeah i just think in the suit he's good i remember in the last the last star trek movie that came out with, you know with chris pine and carl urban and so so on peter weller was cast uh, alongside idris elba as kind of a dual villain in that last movie and i really enjoyed him in that and i think his acting got better over time but in that suit the movement and the voice is just i think it's iconic and also worth the shout out ronnie cox who, who's just always been in iconic eighties movies? Yeah, he was Beverly Hills Cop as Lieutenant Bogomil and um, Total Recall. He was in uh, Deliverance. He was Captain Jellico in Star Trek. He's so good as the bad guy, um, Dick Jones, the one who wants his prototype Ed Two Hundred Nine to be the option that the, the police department go with rather than Robocop. But um, yeah, and I, I think it's actually you know these types of movies which I think. Um... For our generation, Paul, like I think this is the type of scary stuff. You know, it's like Terminator. Like when we think about AI and the Skynets and the things going wrong, like these are the yeah. things that kind of like are in my mind. Like, you know, the, the yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? This is um oh this, this is such a great find and such a great callback. Uh, what inspired this rewatch? It was, um, I think. What was the start of it? I think my son was unwell and he'd. He'd had the he had a day off school and he was just coming towards the afternoon and I was like oh let's chuck on something that's gonna because he's always enjoyed like 
like we've watched Predator and those, yeah, and Alien and Terminator. And I was just going through all the things. I mean, I'm really selfish here, Dan. I'm not going to try and dress it up. I was just trying to find him. So I was like, what can I watch that I love and I can use him as a vessel to be able to watch? Amazing. And I was like, what about Robocop? And it was just, I have to admit, I'm now keen to at least watch the first sequel and the remake. I, I've watched the remake before and I feel like I'd like to watch it back to back with this um, because it's, it is just a it's kind of a classic sci-fi story. I mean, it's quite iconic. It perhaps didn't get the same prestige as some of the other movies of a similar ilk at that time. But um, I did see, um, I think it's on Peter Weller's IMDb page, that they're just making this year, ironically, a Robocop um, documentary and they're revisiting. Um, and Peter Weller introduces the start of the documentary and he's got the voice there and he's like, thank you for your cooperation. And he's just so, he's still got that voice. It's so good. But yeah, I am still shook by the violence and the beating that Murphy takes. Oh, yeah. um, mm. And then later as when he's as Robocop, when he goes uh, and it's you know, Kurtwood Smith, AKA Red from the 70s show and his gang, it's way more graphic than I remember as a, as a youngster. And it's way more intense, I think, than some of the movies these days. So it's just astonishing. What's funny is um, I'm pretty sure like Robocop is a skin in Fortnite. So I imagine like I wouldn't be surprised if like your son's kind of like got that connection as well. Um, yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how just sort of all this old school stuff is sort of coming back into fashion. But I, I guess that's that's the way. Oh, that's a that sounds awesome, and it sounds like another great movie to watch in his educational career of classics from from the 80s and 90s correct and i know from some of our spotify analytics it looks like we have some younger listeners so if you know if you're younger than me and old d-dub here and maybe you've never seen this um i say go check it out and see what you think and you might find yourself wanting to go down a, a robocop wormhole like me and you can find this on prime video Amazing, amazing. Good chat, Paul. So that is you for the week, the Gone and Robocop. Indeed it is. What about you, Dan? All right. So I've got a a couple of TV shows for you. So the first one, uh, continuing on with our Ted Lasso uh, watch. So we watched season two of Ted Lasso. So this is uh, first time time watch for me uh, and the wife. And Mm. it was great to kind of continue on the, the Ted Lasso journey. I I think a couple of things. I think um oh, what do I think? I, I, I remember you talking about this season and I, yeah. I definitely I think the first season of Ted Lasso is very is kind of peak and I feel like it wasn't that this season wasn't good, but it it kind of it took me a while to kind of get back into the flow of this season. Um there were some things that I really enjoyed. Uh, there was a few things I found quite frustrating, and and I'm pretty sure you talked about these without trying to give spoilers last time we talked about Ted Lasso. So, um, and two of those things that really stood out for me were one, the evolution of um, Nate's character. So Nate being the mm-hmm. the assistant coach or one of the assistant coaches in Ted Lasso, and then the second being the, uh, I guess the the hooliganism of sort of football and yes and and I think what was kind of interesting about this this season before we kind of dig into some of these components is I feel and 
part of it, it kind of feels like this is actually good because they're showing a counter, but it, it got very dark this season, I think, compared to the first season. So obviously the first season, very upbeat, T Lasso, champion of the people. Um, this season, it, it's kind of unpicking or peeling back some of those layers of the onion, I guess, and kind of actually showing why Ted Lasso is the way that he is, how he kind of uses uh, his positivity to kind of uh, deal with his emotions and, and anger and frustrations. Um, I think this season gets far deeper into a lot of the wider wider cast. You sort of get a bit more appreciation for the players. They start getting a bit of their own backstory. Uh, obviously, like uh, Coach Beard, Nate, Rebecca, they're all getting sort of far sort of deeper stories and like it was kind of fun on 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 one hand but it I don't think it was as quite as sharp and as polished as the first season so overall still had a very good time still a big fan of Ted Lasso um but I think season one still kind of stuck out a little bit more for me just I I remember some specifics that I would be keen to hear your view on that so there's there's the um as I'm sure you'll recall the the episode Beard After Hours which I just remember thinking was a very odd detour away from the shows. Um, and I'm just looking at the ratings now and seeing that nearly twice as many people have voted on that specific episode than any other episode, and the ratings on that are much, much lower. In fact, it's the lowest of the season. I just wondered if it resonated with you at all. Yeah, that, that was a strange episode, and I think obviously the Beard After Hours episode um, kind of follows the – the loss um that the, the team faced and it kind of at the end of the of the Man City episode I kind of I remember saying I feel like Coach Beard is, is going out to get in a fight and it kind mm-hmm. of just had that it had that kind of undertone to the whole story I think there was some very funny moments like when he's kind of wearing the the glittery sparkly pants and, and yes. that, that was, but I, I I don't know whether it whether it needed that full story and I yeah. I really didn't like how like how and look you can probably say you know maybe this is the reality of, of some of this but I feel like the level of violence that they were about to bring into that episode with Jamie's uh dad about to basically yeah. cane coach yeah. bed with a metal pole that that just seemed like like that may be real life but I feel like in the context of Ted Lasso it felt way too far way too far in a different direction yeah no it really does and that was the thing it's like um, we've talked about this show being the feel-good factor and I appreciate that they don't always want to do that and you can't always have that otherwise you know, mm. it's, not impos- it's not possible to maintain that across a whole season and you need to have the bad to appreciate the good but did we need to go quite that bad? I'm also keen to understand and I don't want to spoil anything because I'm confused now what happens between two and three but where are we at with Roy Kent and his career? Okay, so Roy Kent is um, he retires and he okay, right. he ultimately comes back on as a coach. And so when he joins as a coach in this season, that ultimately starts to be the turning point for Nate. And so Nate's always was kind of a bit kind of a bit picked on, a bit of the um, a, a little bit bullied, a little bit kind of like made fun of in the club. And you know when he became a coach, it was a, a real turning point for his character. And so with Nate, we got that specific episode where he's trying to build up his confidence he wants to impress his his dad and his family and he he just doesn't seem to be able to get anything right and I think that kind of sparked an evolution of his character which which wasn't very good 
but before we sort of go into Nate, because I feel like that's probably like the most of this sort of story, I did enjoy kind of the Roy Roy Kent story, and I feel like Roy is a character that's really just kind of grown on me, and I I just I love just sort of the evolution of being a a pro footballer at the end of his career, starting to get a few sort of ailments and injuries, transitioning out of professional football, coaching like his his nieces. Um, football team just but still being Roy Kent and I just I think his like deadpan anger is is such a a great like juxtaposition to Ted Lasso's constant positivity and the fact that uh Roy Kent is now a diamond dog all respect <laughs> yes, the diamond dogs that's right it's he's great he he's he's modeled for me I mean I think I don't think anyone but would argue that he's obviously modeled on um on Roy Keane. I mean, there's a very similar name there, obviously, in terms of football, but he also has a, a look that sort of borders the, the Roy Keane and stretches across into like a, a Mikko Arteta type look for me. And and he, he he does it well. He's Because he's not the, with respect, he's not the biggest guy, right? But he walks around like he'll, he'll take on anyone. Like he's just that aggressive and like he's constantly angry. And his voice, I really want to hear him talking in real life to hear what is normal because that voice that he uses the whole time is is fantastic and mm. it's like i feel like it's the inner monologue that i have uh in the office sometimes working with people in my day job it's like the roy kent voice inside my head and like you you can't say those things out loud especially in front of children the way he does with no i mean some of those things no have been hilarious to to record but i do like the evolution of his character and the the um the coming to terms because the coming to terms with retirement for a football player is a very big thing and you see it we've seen it with countless players over the years how some of them really don't deal with that at all and Roy Kent would have fitted into that because that was his identity so I did enjoy that side of the story but then then there's Nate yeah and so just just to kind of um place you in the timeline is so basically so we're at the point with Nate where uh he I'm 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 really going deep into spoilers here. I apologize for anyone who hasn't seen Ted Lasso, but it's hard not to talk about that. This is a twenty twenty one TV show. It's still great. Get much that if you haven't seen it. Um so basically Nate um uh anonymously goes to the media and sort of says that Ted's had a panic attack. Um that's the media starts to sort of question is he is he sort of fit to coach the team? Um the most devastating thing, Nate rips in half the believe sign and mm. end of the season we find out that he's uh he's gone with another team and what's worse, another team that is now owned by Rebecca's ex husband. So I expect uh, a lot of drama uh in season three. I, I'm looking forward to sort of getting into that space. I do feel nervous after what you've previously told me about the ups and downs, but uh, yeah, I think probably my like. So I I I really didn't like this. I I, I feel it like with Nate. What I didn't like about it is I felt like I was kind of like lulled into this, like kind of feeling sorry for this character, and they really turned me around so quickly to despise a character, and I I I didn't feel uh, I didn't feel great about that, yeah. and. For a show that is, yes, it's got some dark messages. Yes, there is a serious undertone, but it just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know whether the show needed it, and it, it to it see anyone kind of speak so 
harshly to Ted Lasso is it's heartbreaking. Mm. Oh, you feel like someone in your family being attacked. It's really hard to watch that. And and I actually, you know, with him going to, because now Rupert's brought West Ham and with him going to West Ham, I kind of oddly feel um, like a, a, I, feel, how do I, say I feel sorry for West Ham fans. That doesn't sound right, but what am I saying here? Like that, that club, this is obviously fiction, AFC Richmond being a fictitious team, but like seeing... Like I was imagining if you're a West Ham fan and seeing that Nate goes to West Ham and West Ham are like becoming like this evil team within the series. I kind of wish that they'd gone with like a, a Man City or or a Chelsea or a Newcastle, to be honest, um, for for some fairly obvious reasons for anyone who follows the Premier League. But um, they went with West Ham and I always thought, oh, that must be pretty harsh for West Ham fans to sort of like, because, you know, they're feeling the same things that you're feeling about Nate and about Ted. And then they they get they go to, you know, their club. That's pretty harsh. But um, I am really glad that you've raced through this season because it'd be great to catch right up to season three. Is that the intent for the week ahead or the next couple of weeks? Uh, next couple of weeks, I I guess what I want is I want to get I want to get a clear understanding Paul, of does season three need to come into play for my top ten list this year, and I want to I want to be you know I want to round out the year with you know sort of making sure I've got these twenty twenty three seasons under my belt. Mm. So I don't know what you recall of me saying in my review of season three a few weeks ago, but essentially for me it has a superb finale and the the final arc of like three to four episodes i think i said where's the effect of i put this right up there with with the breaking bads with the homelands in terms of satisfying endings i just thought they couldn't have done any better but there was also littered throughout season three uh some really what i defined as silly things or um just storylines with with no substance and just added no value and really detracted in a different way to what you've described with season two though now, I don't want you to answer this question, Paul, but I, my presumption is that they're going to probably go on to at least like try to win the Premier League is, is, is what I imagine is going to happen. But And that's probably almost one of the things I found a little bit frustrating with this season. It's, just, it's probably a small F, but um, I felt like for a large portion of the, of the season, they were constantly losing or drawing games. And then all of a sudden at the sort of final two episodes, it's like, this is the match to decide if you're going to go back into the Premier League. And I just feel like that hasn't been the story that you've kind of, the arc that we've really followed. And I know that the the football component is often light throughout the sort of the background, but mm. it just kind of seemed a bit rushed to be like, oh, you're back in the Premier League, you know, like it didn't, I don't know whether that was needed because I think it's, it's. this is a show about the characters, it's not necessarily about where you're ranking in the Correct. tables. And I think for me, they handled that side of things and the, 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 the football side of things, the football story and the football success or not success, they, 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 they do that in a way, better way. That's what they do well in season three, where they don't do well, is you know the the sponsor banter mm-hmm. and and the social media and some of the um, PR that sits around that and the storylines around that goes in a direction where I'm like, don't give me filler. This is a premium show. What you should have done is maybe given me two slightly longer seasons and cut out a lot of this crap. So it's not. It's uh, yeah. Spoilers. It's not going to be in my top ten, but it does give me a great finale which i hope i haven't now oversold 
Well, the the uh, the Diamond Dogs will have to reassemble. I'm not sure if I will have it ready for <laughs> this coming week, but it'll be in the next week or next couple of episodes. I'll be Great. back with my season three review. So, season two of Ted Lasso, as with all seasons, are currently available to stream on Apple TV. Um, and I've got one more show for you, Paul. And this was uh, a surprise and delight. Like uh, th- this one, kind of just hit me out of the blue. I didn't know it was back. I didn't know that it was coming. I've been have my head in the sand top boy the final season so um the last time i talked about top boy on the pod back in episode 111 is the juice worth the squeeze yes it is paul it is worth the squeeze so now just to kind of set the scene with top boy um and i feel like i have to do this every time i talk about top boy so the way you'll see top boy listed sometimes as like season five uh, so, but on Netflix, they refer to it as season three because so there's basically, uh, uh, well, let's call it a prequel, which came first. So it was called Top Boy Summer House. And so Netflix has kind of made these first two seasons uh, its own kind of package thing. And then Top Boy season one to three is kind of the, the more modern um not reboot, but sort of continuation of the story. But you should watch all five seasons absolute top tier tv and so the basic premise here is you you basically follow the the crew that run uh somerset house uh in in the uk it's it's a large large kind of social housing uh area it's basically about the drug trade within there there's you know double crossing there's gang wars there's dramas within the estate this TV show has it all, Paul, and the sort of final season, only six episodes long, but six episodes of pure joy. And I pretty mm. much mainline this TV show from the, I was like, oh my God, Top Boy's on over like basically two days, just like episode to episode to episode. And I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Cast, top of their game, storyline, top of their game amazing ending an ending that you want to talk about for for years to come mm-hmm. this is you know when we talk about those those top tier british tv shows this is a hundred percent one of those shows for me it's wow. a difficult it's a difficult one to come in and talk about for the final season because it really is wrapping up lots of arcs that have kind of been started earlier uh, but this this really is a good one amazing i mean I recall you talking about this and I remember at the time thinking, oh yeah, I think it was, if I'm honest, it was the British side of things or the you know, that East London filth, mate, you know, all that sort of stuff is, is really what's drawing me in because the, you know, the, the synopsis, when I read the, the synopsis in itself, I'm thinking, well, I've seen enough things like this to know that I would be interested, but yeah, throw in that East London, the ratings look real good. I was just watching the trailer while you were talking and it looks, you know, well produced and it looks tense and all those things. And, and the, you know, there's, there's not too many episodes, there, you know, 32 episodes, how long, oh, an hour each. Okay. So this would be a fair while to, to watch, but it feels like it would be from what you're saying. This sounds like you've shortlisted this one. Yeah, I oh know. Look, this is this is definitely a contender in my uh, honourable mentions and top ten. Had such a good time. I, I would definitely, if I was like, this is a show I will rewatch at some point in my life. And if if and when I do, I'll definitely mm. be going all the way back to um, the the Summer House uh, series because 
that's kind of where it started. It gives you some great backstory. It's obviously a little bit older, the Summer House stuff, because that came out in uh, 2011, whereas the sort of the the refresh series sort of kicks off in, in 2019. And the reason it kind of got refreshed uh, with season three or season one, depending on how you want to look at it, is this is one of, um, you know, the rapper Drake, one of his favourite TV shows, and he kind of funded uh, – uh, the show to sort of kick off again and sort of continue the storyline. So we've got him to thank for sort of bringing this back to the screens. So it's, it honestly is, if you like your British TV shows, you like it quite gritty, you like a good story. This is definitely one to watch. You probably, um, as much as you might hate this ball, might want to watch it with subtitles. There is, there's so much uh, slang and. Nah, mate, I understand it. Oh, it's, it's second nature to me, son. You know about the peas. You know about the food. You of course, know about, I like, do. You, you don't say you don't say goodbye to people. You say say less. You know, like it's there's all this like fancy gangster sayings that I I just don't understand. But with the subtitles, clear as mud. All right. Okay. Maybe it's maybe maybe I'm 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 imagining in my head it's only fools and horses, but serious. And actually, it's, yeah. it's way more it's it's way more gangster than that. Yeah, no, definitely. So, and I think particularly over, especially over these last three seasons, just some amazing kind of like arcs of characters, people coming to power, people having sort of power taken away from them, and the the constant kind of like battle of what it means to, and yeah, a little bit like the Breaking Bad universe, right? Like, you know, you want to be on top. There's things with being on top that you need to deal with that you maybe don't want to, but that's that's just what's come with the territory. And so, yeah, really good show. Really dark. All five seasons are on Netflix. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Very good, very good. I have added that to list, and I do. I am aware, Dan. Just whilst we're talking about adding things to list, I am aware that I do owe you a couple of series that I said, yeah, no, this year, Dan, I'm watching it, and I am. It is. It's. It is in the backlog uh, as we work through stuff, and so I've added this in there. So less, fam. So less. So less. Um, <laughs> all right. Shall we uh, jump into our movie of the week? Indeed. Yeah. So if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Every week you'll find that Dan and I take it in turns, uh, choose a movie, watch and review that movie, and then talk about it a week later on the podcast. And we announce a week in advance what movie we'll be watching over in our Discord community, which you can join if you'd like to join our merry band over there and by clicking the link in the show notes and uh, this week dan we've gone with the 2022 movie a man called otto this is a, a great synopsis ball otto is a grump i love that word otto yep. is a grump who's given Same. up on life following the loss of his wife and wants to end it all when a young family moves in nearby he meets his match in a quick-witted marisol leading to a friendship that will turn his world around this was a um this was a, a bit of a different one, Paul. It was, a, I think, a, quite a different role as well for Tom Hanks, like not, not a role that I've kind of really seen him play before. Mm. This is uh, obviously based on a, on a book. Uh, it is, I've got to be honest, it is, it is quite a dark movie. Um, mm. Like Tom Hanks' character is, is very committed to uh, ending his life, so just probably that's probably one thing to keep in mind if you're, you're going in to watch this. It is kind of ultimately uh, an uplifting movie um, about finding friendship and connection and things that matter in life, but it's definitely a bit of a journey. How did you find this one? 
Yeah, no, it is. It is a real journey, and it is certainly dark. And you know, we've talked about this numerous times. When you see those two genres together, comedy drama, uh, I think with a storyline of this nature, that's taking that uh, when you go with comedy as well to the probably to one of the most extremes that you can you can probably go to in that respect. But I do think that they did find that balance well. I do think you know that what you described as the the uplifting uh, feel good factor that came was definitely there, and overall, I really, really, um, really, really rated this movie. I, I would say it's one of the 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 better movies that I I think we've done as a movie of the week. Probably I'd put it as you know one of the top five of the year for me. I, I found I really I really got a lot out of it, and I think there's a lot of you know the movie had elements from all kinds of genre that I really do enjoy watching it there's there's pieces of this movie that um you know if you think about the comedy side of the side of it you know there's elements of curb your enthusiasm you know in terms of the grump factor of of otto played by tom hanks it's very much like larry david in that respect just not being able to stay quiet about the things in life you know the frustration of being charged for five feet of rope when you only want four but the shop only sells it in cuts of five there's pieces of this movie that um, are like falling down with Michael Douglas that I absolutely relate to that frustration, you know, just being over other people's behavior and their ignorance. And so those elements um, alone though, they're, they're enough for me to want to watch this kind of movie, but then you throw in Tom Hanks and I'm definitely sold, but the bigger part of this movie, the one that really takes it up to that next level for me is the the journey that his character is going on. And rather than it being just a simple relatively straightforward comedy about a grumpy old like Gran Torino type Clint Eastwood mm. character, if you like, there's something, as you said, so there's, there's something really tragic going on with him. There's a whole lot of hurt that sits behind that. And then there's that heartfelt journey where his, his neighborhood bring him to a place where he, he refines purpose. He refines connections and that. Uh, I find that I find it very touching and, um, but yeah, it goes to a dark place. So I think you're right to sort of put a bit of a, a warning out to anyone who's going into it because, yeah, it is, it is dark. And you're right, for Tom Hanks, exceptionally. Yeah, well, I think um, Tom Hanks, uh, you know, he can definitely, he's, he's got the range as an actor. I think it's, it's I, I feel like I'm so used to seeing Tom Hanks in a, such a more positive light. Um, but I think that's probably what also made it work because I think, Tom Hanks kind of is America's sweetheart in a way, right? Like when you think about mm. some of the roles that he's played in the past, but to see him kind of this this low kind of, I think adds another another level to it. There, there's definitely some very funny m- moments, and I think you're right to call out uh, falling down and curb your enthusiasm because just like the fact that he can't handle, you know, like the career people like like yeah. coming down his street or cars parking that don't have a permit and it just drives them absolutely crazy and you can just see how like this stuff just just grinds away at people and if it's like if he's not upholding it then the whole kind of system collapses and there's something kind of funny in it and there's lots of sort of uh life lessons in there and i think the other thing that i enjoyed about this story is the fact that it kind of like kept sort of taking us back in time and kind of showing who uh, Otto or Tom's Tom Hanks character was as a young person, and and how how different they become or um, how uh, 
how uh, uh, alone um uh, yeah, uh, yeah like alone and sort of like I'm trying to think of the right word, but sort of like his purpose is sort of fundamentally changed without his wife. And not a lot of this movie actually focuses on the wife. Like it's more just the the nature of loss and and, and what that means and and how it impacts people. Yeah, no, it it really does. And I think the sincerity that he, when he he talks about his wife and he, you know, yeah, We've talked before at length about the, you know the the greatest actors of, of of our time of our generation of all time, and we talk about the likes of you know De Niro, Denzel Washington, Leonardo. That there is something. I'm not saying that Tom Hanks is the, the greatest actor, but there is something about the sincerity of a Tom Hanks performance. There's something so real that I'm not sure that anyone else. I've even just mentioned then it is more convincing that they mm. are that person in a movie than he is to me at times. I've felt that with him in Apollo 13. I've felt that uh, with him oh, in Castaway in a number of different films where his performance has just been just really sully, just you know, another astonishing performance. And I just, there's something in this role that, I wonder what my appreciation of this movie might have felt like without Tom Hanks. I don't know. I mean, we'll never know. But it's um, that's yeah that the expression of loneliness, that expression of grief, and and the comedy elements alongside it somehow because they don't always, but in this instance, they got the balance right for me. Yeah. No. This was a uh, yeah. Look, it was a. Uh... It was a good story with a, just a really, uh, you know, use of time codes if, if you don't want to hear the ending. But, like, it, it does have a, a good outcome at the end of the day. And this kind of movie, I think, needs to because yes, if it if fully. it didn't, I, I just don't think it would work. But I think no. it kind of restores your, your faith in humanity, I guess, I guess to a degree. It, it does. And that's the feeling that I came away with that sort of – because, you know, and I don't want to belittle this in any way, but I often – you know, talk about how I've, I've spoken to my neighbor like once a year or something and I actively go to the mailbox when I know no one else is there because I just can't be, you know, and actually seeing the power of a neighborhood um, mm. and that support and all the rest of it actually being good and actually, as you say, restoring your faith. Actually, there are there's good out there and good people. Um, the other two people I just wanted to quickly, I really enjoyed the performance of um, Mariana Trevino, who, um, you know, her character, who she, she's pushing Otto to the limit, but she plays a massive part in his, in his life decisions at, at that point. And also to her partner, Tommy, who's played by none other than the, the Lincoln lawyer, Mickey Haller himself, which I really enjoyed because it's such a different performance from him in this, as this bumbling fool, um, you know, of a husband versus when he plays the Lincoln lawyer, he's so self-assured, he's so sleek, he's so stylish, he's got this great, but in this he's just the absolute opposite. In fact, question to you, Dan, can you reverse with a trailer on the back of a car? Because i tell you what, not a chance for me, not a chance in hell. Not with an audience, that's for sure. Like I would need kind of like <laughs> a a few attempts and I, 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 I would really have to like – like I said, muscle memory, right? I'm kind of doing the opposite steering wheel motion to kind of get the oh. anyway too much. I look, it's, I'm more likely it's way to. Too much me. I'm more likely to like park the car, take the trailer off, like maneuver yeah, it to where I want it to it. go. 
Yeah. 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 My biggest, some of my biggest half measure, like um, awful memories and like you know cutting down heaps of uh, you know branches off of trees, putting it in a trailer, and then taking it to one of those you know green waste places. And then everyone else is just reversed in perfectly. And it seems like I'm the only person who's driving a car at this point and I'm reversing and it's just an absolute mess. And I can just see the looks I'm getting because Kiwi blokes will acknowledge very often that I'm not a Kiwi bloke when it comes to many things, but reversing of a trailer is, is one thing, which is why I'm really pleased that I've got a car now with no tow bar because that takes it out of the equation. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Very good. So, uh, Paul, what do you give this on the, the Guns Akimbo scale? For me, I'm going all the guns on this one. I really am. I really got a lot out of it. The performances, the story. Also a very different style of movie, uh, you know, from, from Mark Forster as a director because he, he does a lot of action movies. You know, he's directed Daniel Craig in Quantum of Solace and um, and I just thought this was a really different style for him as well. So, yeah, for me, um, for this type of movie, once again, just like I gave a while ago a movie which surprised other people I gave for all the guns. I'm going the same again. What about you? I am unfortunately going to come in about a two guns for me. It's, okay. um, it's, it, and it's, it's not a hard two guns. It's more, I think this movie's real time and a place. And yes. And I think like I didn't uh, not enjoy it, but I didn't, I, I wasn't kind of hooked in. Um, and so that's probably where that, where that rating sits for me. But I think, Big shout out to Tom Hanks. Big shout out to the wider cast. It's like I think they've done something different here, and it's not the stock standard. So, um, good on them. Paul, pick of the week. What do you got for me? Yeah, well, like I said at the start, one of the harder weeks of late because I think like last week it was just plain and simple. But this week, I feel like I, you know I feel like I got a lot out of a man called Otto. I really enjoyed my rewatch of Robocop, but I am, I'm still really taken by the gone. And I also feel like it's flown under the radar a little bit here in New Zealand. Cause I've asked a number of people about it and no one's seen it. And it's had, it's one of those things where if you look on IMDb, it's had less than 200 votes, you know? So it's like, you know, there's not many people. So I'm really going to do a, a part on behalf of her measures. I'll get our social media manager to promote the series. Cause for me, this was, this was a, a great find. So the gone for me, and I reckon I know what you're going to say, Dan. But what is your pick? It is a hundred percent top boy for me. Yeah. Um, just love love the third, the the, the final season. Um, it it really caught me off guard. I I don't know how I didn't know this was coming out. It was one of those like when I went into Netflix and it came up with like top boy. I was like, why is this coming up in my like. You know, to watch like is it is it you know sometimes like it'll re-advertise stuff to you that yeah. you've like, taken off your watch list, yeah. and then I had to go and check, and I'm oh my god, it's the new season, and I just had to I had to clear the diary, I had to get it done, and so good, I'm still buzzing about it. Um, a few days later, after finishing it all, so such a great show, highly recommended, great binge that I feel like this is a show that probably not a lot of people have seen, uh, but I think a lot of people would enjoy. So um, get that. around it. Love that. I've never had the authority. I don't feel to clear my calendar. You know, I've always wanted to, to say that clear my clear my calendar, clear my schedule, and I I just feel like I've got too many meetings I'm committed to that I have no say in, and I'm going to. But I've, I've always wanted to do it. I think that the secret is Paul is to keep an empty calendar, and then um, it makes it, it <laughs> makes it very easy. Yeah, very easy to clear. Early start, early finish also helps. Exactly, exactly. Shall I take us on over to the news desk? 
I'd see what you've got if there's anything there. Well, we, we are once again um, very kind of light on the news front. So a uh, couple of things I have found. So Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. That is going to be hitting streaming services on the 10th of October. Nice. So in the, in the not too distant future and then heading on to Blu-ray and DVD uh, end of October, early November. Um that does remind me that I need to get back into my Mission Impossible movie marathon because I I That's imagine right. you and I could probably do a, a joint review of Dead Reckoning. Um, percent. If I get my affairs in order. So um, I will get on to that. Uh, again, scraping the barrel, The Little Mermaid Pool. Guess how many views <laughs> it had in its, uh, in its first two days? I couldn't even give you a, a reasonable guess. 16 million. Like I think it's huge, huge, right? And I think it's kind of it sort of shows I think the power of streaming and you know people are prepared to watch a movie like this, but they're maybe not prepared to pay for a full family outing to to take the whole family down to the movie theater. But I, I like well done. That's a incredible effort. Uh, Sixteen million views of just two days of streaming. So I imagine that number far exceeds that by now. Uh, speaking of numbers, The Nun 2 has uh, scared its way into the uh, domestic box office um, with a $32.6 million take over the weekend, so that's great for The Nun 2. I'm sure, having reviewed The Nun 1, uh, mm. we'll be reviewing that at some point here on the pod once it hits streaming services. Uh, okay, oh, this is this is... Now we get into some interesting stuff. So Drew Barrymore, she is in hot water pool. Um, she oh, really? has basically, you'll you'll see on social media at the moment that there's a lot of backlash for young Drew Barrymore. She is basically putting her talk show uh, back on the air, and the uh, the writers' strike. Um, the WGA is not happy with her at all because her show uses. Um, uh, WGA writers, um, and she's going back on the back on the air with without those writers. So they're basically uh, in union talk, calling her a, a scab for. She's she's saying that she's going back on the air because you know it's not just about her. This is about the production crew, the the cameraman, the everyone who's who's attached to these shows that they need to sort of get earning again. But it is not going down very well at all. There is a, a strong calling for her to. Um, take her show back off the air, but we will see what happens there. Wow. Speaking <clears throat> speaking of Hollywood dramas, you would have seen, you know, there was a, a brief mention after talking about Robocop, uh, that 70s TV show, and we, we talked about Red. Uh, Danny Masterton was recently sentenced to 30 years um, to life in prison for a bunch of very horrible offences. But the the really interesting sort of drama that's been playing out, I don't know whether you've caught up with this, Paul, on your on your TikToks or your, your Facebooks or your, your Xs. Facebooks. How old are your you? Facebooks. I don't know. <laughs> and so basically a bunch of uh, celebrities in particular are uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, who starred in that 70s show um, with uh, with Danny uh, Masterton, is they wrote a letter to the judge sort of asking for a reduced sentence, which has obviously now gone public. It's uh -oh. gone viral. They tried to an announce an apology that, you know, it, the, the apology, it's, I've seen the video, absolutely horrendous. I don't know who their PR person is, but 
they need to go. Um, the whole thing's a, a, a giant disaster. There's now other actors that are sort of coming out of the woodwork have also written letters to help reduce the sentence. And the, the crazy thing about all of this is Aston Kutcher, obviously, uh, I don't know if you know, Paul, he runs a, a charity, which he, he set up with Demi Moore to sort mm. of um, spotlight and right. stop child trafficking and stuff. So to be submitting a letter to a judge to reduce... Uh, someone's sentence for, uh, yeah, some some pretty terrible things is 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 not ideal. So, and I think with all of this kind of uh, writers' strike and not a lot of news on the on the go, this is this is top news at the moment. Mm. Terrible, and I mean terrible across the board, just awful. But what it, this is going to sound trivial, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I've started now. It's like what I've talked about with shows when someone's done, it leaves a bit of taste that you then don't want to go back and rewatch that show or because you associate it with what they've done. And, and so that then takes away from everyone else who was a part of that. And that's a minor thing in, in the scheme of things compared to the victims of this, but it's yeah, just all around awful. 100%. So uh, that is what's going on on the news desk for me. Anything on your end? Um, no, no news at all. That's how quiet it is, Dan. I don't, I didn't have a single thing, which, so there we go. But I do have two things here in the, in the mailbag. Firstly, Alistair from Wellington uh, said that he enjoyed the season 10 review of Doctor Who. Um, that's going back a while because I've just reviewed season 13. So this is playing catch up. But then he was disappointed to find that that season is no longer available on Prime Video. And when I go and look, I can see it isn't available and neither is any Doctor Who. They've removed it all. There is no Doctor Who streaming in New Zealand right now, classic or otherwise. And so I am guessing that that means that the the contract, the license or whatever it's called, has expired because we're now living in a Disney Doctor Who age and all the new content will be distributed here via Disney Plus and then the new David Tennant uh, Doctor Who specials for the 60th anniversaries, which will be coming out in just over six weeks, will all be Disney Plus. But what I'd like to know is, will Disney also be providing access to the 13 series that I've just talked about over a number of weeks, you know, that went before this? Will there, or will there be any classic Who? I'm just, I'm just glad I got to catch up on it all before they removed it. Otherwise, I'll tell you, Dan. And no wonder Alistair's triggered. This is a, a classic case of if you really love this type of thing, you you want to own the the box set, right? Like you want to be able to sort of tap into it mm. uh, at a, at a moment's notice. So it's um it's it's tough, isn't it? Because I feel like things come and go so quickly now in streaming. Like I would have, you know, I would have never said that we would have lost like Netflix um as like uh, Daredevil and Punisher. And you know, and that him and that sort of disappear into the the dark ages, then reappear on Disney. Like it's, it's wild times. Yeah, indeed, indeed. The second thing I've got is, as I hinted at last week, Ian, who made the move to Miami. So I'm just going to call him Ian from Miami now. He's fully up to date. He's fully synced up. Uh, he says he's not going to be chiming in on The Walking Dead. He gave up on that a long time ago, um, but he did appreciate us getting him into Clone Wars from our season seven Clone Wars a while back. He's really enjoyed that. He's now to season three, motoring through. I love it when reviews get people into something and we know it's good stuff because from my money, I actually think if he's only up to season three and he's enjoying it, I reckon the best stuff's still to come. So oh, that's... He's in, 
what a time to be alive, you know, like if you've got, you know, multiple seasons of Clone Wars and then you've got Rebels and then you've got Bad Batch, like you're, you are in a good space, my friend. Indeed. He also says uh, on Dan's choice of football clubs, you can't talk about Forrest with one R without talking about uh, Brian Clough, um, just a top quality manager, a whole repertoire of classic quotes. If you were to find, if you were to Google when you have a or YouTube, perhaps uh, when you have a moment, um, just Brian Clough, Nottingham Forest, and just listen to three or four videos. One of the, just a, a manager, just extraordinary character. I mean, I'm, you know, we're going way off brand here, but honestly, I think you're, you really appreciate um, a person who would not be tolerated by today's society to say the very least. But um, anyway, good to have Ian right up to date with um, everyone else. Last week, peak performance was, of course, our very own Thimiwaya Morrison. Um, we have five peak performances in the bag this week, but I have to say all have a familiar, uh, very similar sound. So we've got Sarah from Polyroa. Uh, went with um, Dr. Ropata, um, which was from, help me out, Dan. It's gone blank. Sure, my Thank you. Um, Dan from Lower Hutt uh, went with Once Were Warriors. Um, we had uh, Megan S. from Auckland on Instagram uh, said, Hone Ropata in his return in the 2000s. So obviously this character made a comeback in more recent years um, as the Doctor. Uh, Bruce uh, from from Scotland, who we mentioned at the top of the podcast, um, they're lost to England today. <laughs> this is why I don't have friends. Then um, he went with uh, Once Were Warriors. Uh, thank you, Bruce and uh, Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast from Ireland, who, as I said, also on the verge of elimination of qualifying for Euro twenty twenty four. May as well treat everyone the same since I've started now. Then uh, gave us his three two one of Moana. The Book of Boba Fett and Once Were Warriors. So a lot of similar picks in there, very popular picks for Tem, I would say. That is our mailbag this week. I'm very intrigued about uh, Paddy's pick. I, I saw this on the Book of Faces and I saw that he had chosen the uh, uh, the Book of Boba Fett. I, I'm intrigued. I, I've got so many questions. I, I, I need a little bit more, Paddy. Just next week, can you just sort of loop back to us about how this particular version made it to your, your number two slot? Well, I can answer some of those questions on Paddy's behalf, but we'll let him speak for himself because it was a stellar performance. But um, I'm sure he will oblige you. Okay, very good, very good. Paul, shall we jump into our peak performance for this week? Indeed. So like our movie of the week, Dan and I take turns each week to look back at the career of someone from the movie TV industry and try and pick out what we think is their best performance. And Dan, this week you've put for selection Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, this was a, a bit of a, a, a random choice. And when I was thinking, oh, who haven't we, who haven't we done? And then I, I often what I do is I'll, I'll have a flick through their IMDb and I'm like, oh, have they got enough? And I was like, I'm not sure she's going to have enough. And then as soon as I was flicking through her, her back catalogue, so many, so many bangers in here, Paul, that I, I knew she was the one this week. So uh, for me, 
Um, I'm actually going to go with, and, and they might be kind of like odd choices for peak performance, but mm-hmm. these are two movies that really like stand out to me where I think she had a fantastic role. The first one is 2011's Horrible Bosses, and uh, Jennifer Aniston plays one of the horrible bosses. Uh, she's a, a, a dentist. Uh, she's she Her comedic timing her villainous kind of uh, tones throughout this movie. It's it's actually top tier. The Horrible Bosses is yeah. a great movie. It has got a couple of uh, a, a, a cancelled actor in there, but that aside, Jennifer Aniston and the wider – it's even got Ted Lasso in it. Like, how can you go past this movie? Jason Correct. Bateman, Charlie Day, classics. Um, she plays a terrible, horrible boss, and so I'd like to give her a pe- – sorry, an honourable mention there. And for my peak performance – Again, like I want to give her, and there's a bit of a theme here, Paul, is 2013's We're the Millers. This is a classic, 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 (laughs) classic funny movie. This is a movie where, like, many times this has been chucked on in our house. Like, if we've had people staying and people are kind of sitting around and what's a kind of a, a funny background movie. Again, this movie takes the cake. I think, again, we've got Ted Lasso starring. Uh, and this with uh, Jason Sudeikis, but Jennifer Aniston's role as a as a stripper in this movie, again, amazing sort of comedic ta- comedic talent and timing, um, goes toe to toe with Jason Sudeikis, uh, Ed Helms, Will Powder, Emma Roberts, Nick Offerman. It's and and she just she fits naturally in here, and I think you know. Most of the times when I think Jennifer Aniston, I think Friends, but I think she's actually got a, a great back catalogue of movies um, yeah. to her name as well. So those are my two choices. How about yourself? Uh, great picks, Dan. And I, I'm i just looking now at the picture, not to take the shine off of Jennifer, but the picture of, Je- of, of Jason Sudeikis and thinking, I can't handle him without the moustache now. And I'm like, do I ever? Like, I want to rewatch this movie because I found it hilarious. But will I be able to take him as not Ted ever seriously again? I don't know. But my my honourable mention is also Horrible Bosses for similar reasons to you. I think um, I think she's great across the two movies. But um, in amongst you know, you named some top top actors, top comedy actors. When I think of this movie, it's her character that I remember the most in terms of just the sheer like just total inappropriateness and just like just not being able to handle and just like, oh my goodness, no, no, it's just, it's, it's too much. But she, she really throws herself fully into that role and probably has an amazing time filming it. I imagine as soon as they cut, they sort of call cut. It must've just been hilarious. Um, so yeah, horrible, horrible bosses for me. The, uh, the peak performance for me and at the risk of being possibly predictable because it seems like a, a real, as you said, an easy choice. It is friends for me, and it's it 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 is when I sort of I was just sort of flicking through some of the photos from the various seasons and just thinking when I think of friends and we talked about this when we did the reunion special you know maybe a couple of years ago now I do sort of I always sort of in my mind go to Joey and the and the stupid things that he would say or or what have you and but actually the Ross Rachel thing that was massive. Jennifer Anderson was a huge part of that. The, the whole dynamic of her character in that apartment with, with Monica, it's, you know, she really just excelled in that role and just just exceptional. And so I, as you would often say, I can't go past. I, I couldn't go past her role as Rachel Green. So um, I'm going Horrible Bosses and Friends. 
very good shout, Paul. It is still uh, it is a great series, um, and I know a, a lot of people still love to watch it today. So uh, very good shout. I guess that brings us to the end of a, another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does. And as always, thank you for listening in. Do get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts at halfmeasurespodcast.com. And as I say, if you're new to the podcast, do click on our review section if you're looking for a particular movie or TV show. We've got a database, database, 800 plus reviews of TV shows and movies for you to go check out and look at. Also, a very big shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.